Hey, good afternoon. Happy Thursday. Almost to the weekend. It is Beamer in for Bowerly here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Happy to be with you this Thursday. I've already said the day twice. Uh, getting into the weekend, almost Friday, almost time to relax after, again, as we talked yesterday, another emotional day in Western New York. And, um, I just want to say uh, yesterday, thank you to the calls, um, people who called in with their experience, their perspective, uh, meant a lot, and uh, just a, a tough day. And, and now we know the uh, 37-year-old firefighter, and again, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with his family and, and also with uh, firefighters all around Western New York who lost a brother yesterday. And as Jim in Buffalo told us yesterday, um, you know, we should always be thankful for those who serve and you know uh, he's 100 percent correct so obviously thank you to the the risk and sacrifice um you know the, the risk you take every day going to work to our firefighters our police officers our members of the military and um what we keep them in our thoughts and prayers i have to tell you i have been following this alex murdaugh trial Nonstop, and it was one of these things where you know, okay, I, I heard a little bit about it. I watched it. As soon as he took the stand, I couldn't get enough of this trial. Now, if you're not following it, I want to I want to fill you in. And this is we're not just going to talk about the trial. I want to bring out some other things um, related to uh, this type of coverage. But I'm going to tell you right now. Now, I was on a jury way back in the day. OK, and my my remembering of that uh, jury uh, of that case was the prosecution very weak. Right. They didn't bring a great case. And also, I just remember the attorneys for uh, the DA's office just being unlikable. Now, we're talking 2012, 2011, 2012. I just remember them being unlikable. And I think that played into our decision where we did not find. And it also seemed like incomplete work, okay? Uh, the trial that I was on the jury uh, probably 10, 11 years ago. I'm watching this trial, and like I said, I've been watching it very closely since Alex Murdoch took the stand. I've watched every documentary, right? There was a Netflix special, an HBO special, a 48 Hours. We've watched it all, okay? Fox News, Nancy Grace did a special on it. And um, it, it, it's, I mean, the stuff surrounding this family, if, you're, if you have not followed this, right, it really all started with this boat accident in 2019 where the son Paul was drunk and ran the boat into a bridge, uh, killing one of his friends who was 19, all right? That really started all this um, focus, but then you go back and there's the what now seems at the time was an accident now seems to be a suspicious death of a housekeeper. OK, and now they're going back and looking at that. Um, and then you have the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdaugh. And you go through this case and this has been extensive. And let me tell you, I've, I've watched a lot of TV courtroom dramas. Right. And I've watched I've watched courtroom stuff. I don't remember much of the O.J. Simpson trial. 
Uh, but I've seen tape of it, and, and that's another thing that I've watched a lot of documentaries on. I watched the FX special on. Um, you, you've got all this uh, this focus in the courtroom, and it's really just a nonstop feed. I have to say, um, Court TV, Court TV and Fox News have been doing a great job of covering this trial. Um, th- there's something else called the Law and Order Network, or the Law and Crime Network. Sorry, Law and Order is a TV show. The Law and Crime Network, and I just have to say, no offense to the, the fine people that work over there, they take way too many commercials. Like, they'll take commercials in the middle of the case. I, I missed something because you played five minutes of, uh, you know, a commercial where Doug Flutie and Frank Thomas are telling me I need to take this medicine for, my, uh, for you know, getting older. Um, so, I, I don't, I, I, their coverage I really haven't been able to follow. But Court TV and Fox News, I have to say, when Murdoch was on the stand, all of the cable news networks, I mean, they were with it nonstop. It never broke away. And it's very interesting, okay? You look back at these documentaries and the stuff that has happened in the cover-ups. I mean, Alex Murdaugh was this very, uh, the Murdaugh name was this very, this name held in very high regard, right? The great-great-grandfather was a prosecutor. The grandfather was a prosecutor. Alex Murdaugh did some part-time work uh, for the prosecutor, but he worked at a firm that his great-grandfather excuse me, that his great-grandfather had founded in 1910. So this was a family that, let's just say they were, again, held in very high regard. And you watch some of the documentary footage of 2019 after the boat crash. And Paul Murdaugh and his father are walking, not Paul, I'm sorry, Alec Murdaugh and his father are walking through the hospital and you know trying to talk to people before they talk to investigators. And, and, and you get a feeling this is what happened, right? The Murdoch family uh, or a member of the Murdoch family gets in trouble. They cover it up, right? And that's what they would lead you to believe in some of these documentaries. Uh, I would say the Netflix one is probably the one that really focuses on Paul Murdoch, uh, the son that was murdered in 2021. Now, you take it back to the case, all right? Now, the story from Alex Murdoch from the beginning was I went to go visit my, my uh, sickly my sick father and my mother who has dementia, and I came home and found Paul and Maggie dead, okay? That was his story to investigators. That was his story to, um, to everybody. Now, Paul Mur- or Alex Murdaugh is, a, is a, an attorney and a very good attorney, right? I mean, this is the guy that if you lived in this area of South Carolina, you would uh, see the commercials. You know, I mean, that, it was that kind of law firm. Everyone knew the Murdaugh uh, it, there were a bunch of names, but the Murdaugh Law Firm, they knew this family. And um, he said he wasn't at the, at the kennels, okay? Well, they go into Paul, the son who is deceased. They go into his phone and find a video that you can clearly hear Alex Murdaugh on four or five minutes before they believe the murders happened. So in the courtroom, Alex Murdaugh has to take the stand and say... Oh, yeah, I was at the kennels. I didn't say I was at the kennels because of my uh, addiction to painkillers. Okay? You following? So his testimony really was undoing a lie that he told for two years. And I have to say, now I'm not on this jury, but yes, the prosecution, I believe, and I'd like to know what you think at 803-0930, star 930. I don't want this to just be me breaking the whole thing down. But the prosecution, I think, made a pretty good case. 
But you listen to the defense talking and their closing arguments. And it is a lot of circumstantial evidence. Now, Al, I think the, the I think the 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 thing that's going to stand and you can't talk your way out of it is lying to the police. Is lying for two years. I don't think you can ever undo that because that's a pretty important lie. You were literally at the place of the murder five minutes before the murder, and you said you weren't there. I mean, you said you weren't there the night of, continued to say you weren't there. I think that's a tough, that's a tough one to turn around. But, you know, the, the defense, obviously their job is to make you question it, right? Because it's beyond a reasonable doubt. And today they're mentioning things like the phone. They found the wife's phone thrown out of the truck. The light um, he passed where the phone was thrown out at 9.08. But that light on the phone never came, it was, didn't come on at 9.08 when he drove by. And they had a witness come out there and say, yeah, you know, when you lift the phone up, the screen comes on. Screen didn't come on at 9.08. Now, again, you might look at that and say, Joe, that's pretty weak. Uh, also, they can't, they have not been able to find the shirt that Alex Murdoch was wearing the night of the murders. How do they know he was wearing this shirt the night of the murders? Well, Snapchat videos don't really go away after 24 hours. And they were able to find that. And he is wearing this shirt that to this day, They've not been able to find. However, the defense comes with with, uh, information that there was hair found under the deceased wife's fingernails that was never put into evidence, that was never tested according to the defense. So you're listening to all of this, and again, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in the jury. And then you look at the jury that's already had a few members excused. They're down to their last alternate. And now closing arguments seem to be wrapping up and they're going to be handing this jury this case. And like I said, I've been following this really nonstop since Alex Murdoch took the case and went back and watched other uh, testimony and listened to a few podcasts on it. And like I said, watched uh, the documentaries on it. But it's just one of those cases. And this is another example of America just getting wrapped up into these cases. And it's really one of these things. I heard uh, another radio show talking about it and you know, saying it's one of those cases where you're either all in or you have no idea what I'm talking about. And it is amazing the amount of people who are following this. You know, it, it, it goes back to something I said last week about America's obsession with true crime documentaries. And it seems, you know, we have this obsession with watching courtroom dramas real-life courtroom dramas. And I don't know when that started, because I remember this my entire lifetime. There's been either trials or covering of trials. Obviously, you have some trials that the cameras are not allowed in, right? And you get the drawings and, you know, oh, this is what happened inside the courtroom. But it does seem like we we like to, as Americans, be in the courtroom for these huge trials. And this seems to be another huge trial. It's getting wall-to-wall coverage on certain news, streaming news networks. Uh, like I said, when Alex Murdoch was on the stand, it was on all the cable networks. It's taken portions of the 630 News, which... The 630 News, obviously not what it used to be back in the day, the network news, but I still think it is a barometer, is that the right use of the word, of what people are talking about, all right? And this is something that's 
gotten segments on the 6.30 national news. You hear people talking about this. So uh, I've given you a little bit of what's going on, and, and I want to know from the audience, because I want to tell you what I think, and I, I, there, there, there could be two different answers to this. So my questions to you are, number one, are you following this case? Do you follow trials like this? Is this something when you see it on the guide, you watch it? Have you been like uh, my wife and I, any documentary we can find, we found a 40-minute video on YouTube about this case and watched it. So are you going and finding things? And what are your thoughts on this family? I mean, you've got numerous um, deaths that seem to, that are associated with this family, right? It's just, it seems like for the last decade, this family's had a troubled past. And I didn't even mention, can you believe this, Josh? I didn't even mention you know, all of this going on, why we find out Alex Murdaugh was stealing money from his clients. I meant to throw that in there while I was telling you about the case, because that's pretty important to the case. Alex Murdaugh has been stealing money from his clients. Certain clients, he stole millions and millions of dollars. Their housekeeper died falling down their stairs, okay? Again, at the time, an accidental death. Now, Questions about that. He told the family to sue the to sue for his for the insurance. Okay, he took care of that. Never gave them the money. He got a four point two million dollar settlement in the family's. I believe four point two million. I might be a little off on those numbers. Um, in the family's for the for the family of uh, of the housekeeper. He never gave that money to the to the family of the housekeeper. So this guy was stealing millions of dollars. And the prosecution is saying, well, this is a guy that the walls were, were caving in. The storm was getting closer. His finances were about to be exposed in the boat accident, okay? Because they were going, uh, he, uh, Paul Murdaugh was not only being tried uh, criminally, but he was going to be tried civilly. And there was a civil lawsuit against every member of the family. So financials were going to come out in this case. And Alex Murdaugh had a decade or more of stealing from his clients. He would look clients in the eyes and say, yeah, your decision was, you know, we got a settlement for this much, and he's only telling them about 30% of it and pocketing the rest. That's a big part of it. I'm sorry, I left that out while we were going through the case. So yeah, you also have a guy that was stealing from his law firm to the point where September of 21, a few months after the murder, uh, after the murders, he was kicked out of the law firm uh, because this had been discovered. And again, he blames his addiction to uh, pain meds. Um, that was a big, uh, a, a big theme of his testimony was, um, you know, I needed the money to buy my pain meds. I, um, you know, I lied to the police because I had a bag of pills in my pocket. Um, you know, and, and so that came out. A lot as well during his testimony. But you have, again, you have all these streaming services, and we're going to get into this later in the show, something I know we've talked a lot about, but now you've got a new uh, wrinkle in the TV streaming business. But you've got all these streaming services, and a lot of them have added something related to this Alex Murdoch case. You've got Netflix, you've got HBO, you've got Paramount Plus. They, uh, Fox uh, Nation, you've got all these documentaries on this, on this Murdoch family and on this case. It, it, it's 
to me, it's really amazing how people have, you know, it's not just watching the trial now. It used to just be you're glued to the trial. And at night, the cable news networks would break down everything that happened in the trial, right? That's how it used to happen. Now it's you got the trial during the day and you're following that on your phone, on your computer. And then you've got these documentaries to break down what came out in the case today. So I want to know from you, 803-0930, star 930, are you following this case? What are your thoughts on the case? Do you think he's guilty? And do you think he'll be found guilty? Now, you could have two completely different answers to that question. Because I'm going to tell you after the break, there is a way you can think he's guilty, but think this jury might not come to a verdict. That's very possible. And then do you have, and I know this is going back to something I asked when I was in for David last week, do you have uh, true, when you go looking on TV, do you, are you someone that looks for these true crime documentaries? Do you have like a, a favorite series of true crime documentaries? You've got forensic files, unsolved mysteries. Uh, you've got you know an entire network, ID Discovery, that is just 24-7 true crimes. When you're looking for something, do you like to watch the case? Do you like to watch the docs? Do you like to do both? 803-0930, star 930. And can you pinpoint when this obsession with courtroom television started? I'm going to say my lifetime, I think it's the O.J. Simpson trial. But when did our obsession with being in the courtroom for these major cases, when did that start? 803-0930, star 930. It's Beamer in for Bowerly, taking your calls after this on News Radio 930, WBEN. You're probably saying, Joe, what are you doing here? Um, You ever wake up with a song stuck in your head for no apparent reason? I don't think I've heard this song in years. Years. That's Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy, by the way. Now it's stuck in my head. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. It is one of those songs that will get stuck in your head. But I woke up with it. I literally asked my wife this morning. I said, when we went to sleep last night, did Skater Boy... You know, come on the TV or on the Alexa or something because it's stuck in my head like vividly, like I just heard it. And she said, "No, not at all." But it was—it's been stuck in my head since I woke up. Can't point to why. A song I haven't heard in years. It's Beamer in for Bowerly. Glad that you are with us. We're talking about the Murdaugh trial, and as we are getting updates uh, soon, the jury deliberations will begin. And if anything shall happen during this show. I'm sure ABC will be there, and we will bring you uh, live coverage. So, Josh, I hope you have ABC Alert in queue so we know if they're going to go to uh, anything. I've been following this. I want to know what you think of the case. But also, um, do you follow stuff like this, the courtroom trial? Is there, You look back in time. Was there a trial that you could not get enough of? You had to watch every minute. You had to follow it. Is there a trial in the past that – you followed from start to finish. Uh, you watched, like I've been doing, watching everything uh, to do with this trial. And there is so much more now with these streaming services. So much more than just the trial uh, when it's something big like this. 803-0930, star 930. Jay is in, in Angola. Jay, what do you think of the Murdoch trial? Uh, 
Um, yeah, as I was telling your screener, um, I, I have one question that I'm really not sure on, and I haven't heard anything. I did watch the Netflix. Um, uh, it was a three-part documentary, very short, by the way. But um, yeah, I don't think he was a well-liked man in the town. And the reason I say that is because um, they they kind of came across as that the whole family was kind of uh, got special privileges. And if you recall, like right after the boat accident, the the one kid saying, "Do you know?" said, "Did do you know who that is?" to the police officers there at the at the uh at the accident and uh and they and he commented on it that's that's Paul Murdoch. Good luck. Yep, exactly. In other, in other words, you know, so I got the impression there there wasn't I don't think there was a lot of people that actually liked the guy. And if you recall the one girl, the one surviving girl and I can't remember her name or the, there were two surviving girls. I think there was three total, and the one ended up missing in the boat accident. Yep. Um, and they found her body, I think it was six days later, uh, downstream. But she, from her hospital bed, when Alex showed up at the hospital, or what's his name, Alex? When he showed up at the hospital, he tried to pin the blame on the other kid saying that his son Paul wasn't driving the boat when we all know that he was because there were other witnesses that you know that said yeah he was driving the boat but the one girl from her bed said do not let that man into my room so uh, that being said uh, I don't think he was a well like guy and then you brought up the point of uh, all the people that he basically screwed over as far as uh, uh, monetary wise, because because he had the privilege of being a lawyer, and uh, and that just wasn't right. I don't care. I don't care what he was addicted to. I'm not a big fan of the guy. And but here's my point. I can't. Um, I can't get over the point of. I think he. I think he did it, but I don't think he was alone. Because I can't get the, I can't solve the question, and if, if you have any information on it, or maybe it was discussed, I didn't pick it up in any of the, in any of the, um, what I've been following anyway was, I can't figure out why was there two weapons? Now she was killed with an AR-15, I think they said, and the son was killed with a shotgun. I can't get over that point. Like why he to me he doesn't he seems he's sly like a fox, but I don't think he's that intelligent. And I can't I can't figure out why there were two weapons used. I think he did it, but I uh, not saying everybody hated him. I know he had some friends, but I think uh, he had an accomplice. Uh, but I do believe that. He had something to do with it. If he didn't do it himself, I just that question just lingers in my mind. Why? Why would you? Why would you use two different weapons? I can't. I can't. If you have anything on that, Jay, that's that's um, the same question. That's the same question I have. There were two weapons used um, to kill uh, Paul Murdaugh and Maggie Murdaugh, and it's a question that really seems at the trial to have been skimmed over at different parts of uh, testimony. I think Jay, that's going to be on the minds. Of, uh, of some jurors. I, I, I do agree. I appreciate the call. And, and that is the case. You know, I, I like I said, you, you can think he's guilty, but you also have to think, what's the jury going to think? And really, if there is one juror that you cannot 
convince, then it's a hung jury and he walks. And like Jay said, there are those questions. Obviously, I think the guy lied about his whereabouts in the time of the murders. That is usually hard to overcome. However, there are little bits and pieces of information, right? Um, the phone not not turning on when it was, as the prosecution says, thrown out of the truck, okay? Uh, there were two weapons used at the scene. And, and I think it, it's, it's difficult for most people, most people, it's difficult to think that you would ever be at a point in your life where you would kill your your own child. And I think that is also something that's going to go through the minds of jurors. Okay? I, I think to, to, you're, you, have, you have to come to grips with that. Now, again, I'm not saying that doesn't mean he's guilty. But I think there, there's, you know, the thought of killing your own child. Uh, people, I mean, people can't, people can't, you know, um, think of killing anybody. You know what I mean? But I, I think the fact that, you know, how gruesome Paul was murdered. I think also plays into this as well when it goes back to the jury deliberations. It's going to be very interesting. Um, and, you know, you always talk about the time and how quick the jury uh, has this case before they come to a conclusion and this and that and the different charges. Uh, so it's been very interesting to, uh, to watch. And like Jay said, the, the two different weapons used is another thing. It is another thing that um, a question that I don't really feel was 100% answered. And, you know, the, the defense, obviously, they have to make you think that it's beyond a reasonable doubt. The hair in the, in the fingernails of the uh, deceased wife, that is something that was not addressed by the prosecution, and the defense um, pointed that out. Also, you know, the fact that they didn't look at anybody else, okay? That's also what the defense is doing. That The, the investigation really was always on Alex Murdaugh. Um, I, this brings up a Boston Legal episode where, you know, that's the case they made to the jury, that they didn't look at anyone else. This was their only um, only suspect. Again, all of these, I think, would be a make a bigger point if Alex Murdaugh had not lied for two years. I think if, if you know, you say, yeah, I was there and I, I walked away, people might believe you. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think. I think... Uh, you know, you, you see a guy on the stand, he was crying. This, this is obviously, this is an attorney. He's used to the courtroom. This wasn't a, anything new for him, right? It was new that he was the guy on trial, yes. But he's been in the courtroom. He knows how to work a jury. He gave very compelling testimony. And, and you, you, at times, felt bad for the guy. This is a guy that has an addiction. This is a guy that found himself in financial trouble. And what did he do? He kept digging himself deeper and deeper in financial trouble, you know, there are many people who can relate to that, right? Um, you know, he, he talked about finding his wife and his son dead. And, you know, he, he gave, what I, again, what I thought was very compelling testimony. I mean, even to the point where Ted Williams on Fox News said, you know, this is compelling. This is the jury, obviously, uh, this was a, he, he gave good testimony. All that said, I'm the kind of person that you lie for a reason. And now I've never been addicted to something. So I just don't think being addicted to medication and the fact that you had a bag of pills on you 
is the reason to lie. Now, he also said that he didn't trust the investigator because he confused it with someone who had investigated a friend of his and he thought was done unfairly. That was another point he had thrown out there. Again, I think you find your son and your wife dead. You are going to be completely honest about your whereabouts and everything to help them find who did this, right? That's at least me. Now, again, and I know I'm going all over the place. I do weird things. You know what I mean? We, we all do weird things. And if they had been put in the, in the focus of a murder trial, it could look suspicious. There are times we all do stuff that at the time seems like nothing. But, yeah, it's a little weird, right? There are times I usually always bring my phone to go take my dog on a walk at night, right? Almost always. But there are times that I don't. There are times where I take a different route for no reason, right? I usually always take my dog out the front door and around the side street. Sometimes I'll zigzag through the grass and go through the middle walkway. Sometimes I won't get off of the main street, right? We, we all do weird things and in focus... In, in a different context, could look like we were trying to cover something up. So I always, I always think of that as well when I'm watching a case like this, when I'm watching a trial like this. I always think, hey, we all do weird things. You know, there have been times where my wife goes, why did you do that that way? And I don't have an answer. I'm, I can just be weird sometimes. With all of that said... I think the most damning evidence in this trial is lying about being at the kennels four or five minutes before these murders happened. I don't think, and I also think the, the prosecutor is unlikable, and that might, that might hurt the state's case as well. But I don't think walking in a straight line around your house making phone calls, I don't think that's the evidence they think it is. Because I'm the kind of person, when I'm on the phone, I'm usually walking around. Right, I get, that from, I get that from my dad. When he's on the phone, he walks all over the house when he's talking to people on the phone. So I don't think that's the evidence they think it is. I think the evidence, the most damning part of this case is he lied about his, his whereabouts. And, and I'm sorry, I just don't believe the I had pills in my pocket is the excuse. So I do think he's guilty. And, and that's really tough because the fact that anyone would want to kill their wife and kid, I think is absolutely disgusting. And, you know, it, it, it's difficult to think. However, as much as I do think he is guilty, from what I've seen and from being in a jury myself, you do view things differently when you're on that jury. You're not supposed to, but you do. Because you realize my opinion is going to react in what happens in that courtroom. And I think it's difficult with watching his testimony with some of the reasonable questions the defensive has asked, I'm not sure this jury finds him guilty on all charges. I, I really don't. Now, that might not mean much to Alex Murdaugh because everything he's admitted in this trial when it comes to his financial dealings will end him up in prison for a majority of the remainder of his life anyways. So I do think he's guilty. I'm not sure I'm going, I would, 
bet on this jury coming to that conclusion, again, because you'd need everyone, they're down to the last alternate, you would need everyone to come to that conclusion. Again, I watched his testimony, and, and at the time, that moved me. And if, if I was on that jury and he had given his testimony and they said, all right, go to deliberations, it would have been tough. It would have been tough to come to that conclusion, right? We've had a week since then. We've heard more. We've heard the closing arguments. I still think his testimony stuck with someone on that jury. And you, he might not be found guilty on all charges. That's my thinking of not only watching this trial, but watching a lot of trials. And, you know, really just being taken by these, um, by these cases. You know, I, I mean, I look back at Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony was found not guilty. Watching that case, I thought Casey Anthony was guilty. So I'm, I'm kind of factoring in these cases that I've seen on TV, that I've seen play out, that I watch, you know, the uh, documentaries on. And I don't think it's a stretch to say this jury might not come to the conclusion that I think um, I would come to if I was on that jury. Let's uh, go to Walter in Lewiston. Hey, Walter. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. You got it. Uh, well, one thing I was considering, you were saying that um, if he's guilty or not guilty, you think he's guilty. But you also said you're questioning why they found two different guns. One was a shotgun, one was a A-47 or something. Right. You question that, right? That I mean, that's the he... one thing that I just don't think has gotten the focus. It hasn't gotten explained in the trial the way I would want it to be. Correct. But by you said that, you doubt why a person would take two guns, correct? I do, yeah. That's reasonable doubt. He's innocent. But Walter, let me me push back on that because he's an attorney. So he he knows that would put reasonable doubt into a jury's mind, right? Correct. Yeah, I I mean, you make a good point, Walter. Like I said, I'm glad I'm not on this jury because... You're right. I mean, that right there, that would be a day in the deliberation room. That would be a day, but you'd say to yourself, you doubt it that he would take two guns. Well, that doubt, that, that's um, a reasonable doubt. That's all you need is one person say reasonable doubt. He's innocent. But some of that, but him lying, Walter, right there, in my opinion, lying is an admission of guilt, isn't it not? I don't know. I'm not on a jury, but... Also, I still have a reasonable doubt with the two yeah. guns. Walter, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. I, and I'm sure someone on the jury will think will think that. I mean, I, I'm glad Walter's right. But I also want to get in the mind of Alex Murdaugh. This guy is an attorney. He knows the law better than anyone else. Not only was he an attorney, he was a very successful attorney, a very good attorney. Right? He knew I'm going to call her phone. I'm going to call her phone twice, and then I'm going to go and, and get away from the, from the scene. But guess what Alex Murdaugh didn't know? He didn't know that his son had taken a video just before the, the murders that his voice is on. Again, like I said, I say this now as someone who's not on the jury, right? I don't know how I would think if I was on that jury because Walter brings up a good point. And, and like I said, I just can't get past the thought of murdering your own son in the way that Paul Murdaugh was murdered. It, it just, I think a lot of people just cannot 
like I said, most people can't cope with the idea of murdering anyone. But the fact that you would take a, a shotgun to your own son and murder him the way he was, I think that's gonna I think that's gonna resonate with the jury as well. And the two guns thing. Again, I, there's five there's over five hundred pieces of evidence in this trial. That jury's gonna have I remember the jury I was on, there was maybe seventy. 70 pieces of evidence, and we had to go back and have um, a testimony read to us when, when I was on a jury. This jury heard from a ton of witnesses. I came in, I, I think the number was 78, 76 witnesses, 550 pieces of evidence. All that testimony, I just can't imagine what's going on in that jury room and the stuff that you're going to have to go through. But if there's one Walter who makes a good point, I'm not saying Walter's wrong, if there's one Walter in that, in that jury room, then he will walk on a hung jury. And again, the way that testimony stuck with me while I was watching it, I would say right now, hung jury might be the, fav- might be the favored of what happens in South Carolina. Even though, after watching this, after seeing this fan, and there's a lot of stuff in those documentaries that never entered the courtroom. So the jury can't use some of the stuff, can't use the family's past that wasn't mentioned in the courtroom. Now, some of that stuff was, right? Especially when it comes to the housekeeper, because you had members of the housekeeper's family testify to the money that Alex Murdoch stole from them. So that is in evidence. But after watching, you know, the, the, the housekeeper's uh, suspicious kill, uh, death, the boat accident, and not the, just the boat accident, but what happened right after, right? Alex Murdoch gets there with his fake badge. He had uh, one of those honorary badges from the police department, and he's got it hanging out of his pocket, walking around the hospital after a boat crash that killed a 19-year-old girl. So the way this family quickly tries to cover up, quickly try, tries to change the narrative, these are the things that are playing into my head. Again, that Netflix documentary, that's not in the jury's mind. They, can, they can't use that. They didn't, they didn't watch that in the courtroom. That didn't go into evidence. So it's very interesting. It's a very interesting case to follow. And like I said, by the time we come back from the news, the jury will be deliberating this case. And um, we'll, uh, we'll be on verdict watch. But it's very interesting. And, and what else I think is, is the most interesting is just how this country gets glued to these trials. The Alex Murdoch trial. I mentioned Casey Anthony trial. O.J. Simpson. We get glued to these, and now with all these different streaming services and all these different producers of, uh, of content, we get all these documentaries while the case is still going on. And guess what? There's going to be more documentaries once this trial is over. And this won't be the last we see of Alex Murdoch found guilty or not. Because now all this financial stuff's been brought up. You know that's going to get media attention. You know court TV is going to be back in that courtroom following the financial trials, which there'll be a lot because he admitted to them in the courtroom. Very interesting stuff. 803-0930, star 930. If you have a comment on this case or just a comment on what seems to be an obsession with courtroom television and true crime documentaries. We'll talk with you after this. It's Beamer in for Bowerly on WBEN.